Good morning and welcome to our Awakened Church Pioneer 2 service. If you're joining us today and have no idea what that means, let me go ahead and take a moment to explain. As a church, in response to COVID-19, we've been working hard to figure out a way uh, to establish safety protocols, common sense practices that we can implement in our church to be able to make it safe to return to service because we do, after all, want to be able to meet again in person fully as a church someday. And uh, we don't know when that day will be, but we decided that regardless, we were going to have some pioneer services that we put in place, experimental services, um, where we have invited key volunteers to be a part and test the procedures and practices that we've put in place. And they'll stay after service for a little bit, give us feedback. They'll give us feedback uh, digitally as well. And from that feedback, we're going to find a way to improve as, as best we can. Uh, so last week was our first Pioneer service. This week is week two. And so they're joining us here live today. It doesn't mean our church is open. Everyone else, we're still hoping you're in streaming mode. But we are wanting to test what has been put in place. And that said, uh, regardless of whether or not we're here live or we're streaming or we're somewhere else, wherever it is we might be, you're traveling for the 4th of July weekend, the emphasis of our church remains the same. The focus of our church has not changed whether we're meeting all together or in streaming mode somehow. The focus of our churches is and has always been to help the disconnected get connected to God. And from there, once connected to God, to develop meaningful Christ-centered relationships. That's what Jesus tells us, right? When he was asked, what is the most important command? It's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then to love your neighbor as yourself. And that's what we want, and we, we believe God has called our church to be all about, to connect the disconnected and to help them grow in faith within the context of Christ-centered relationships. So that's what we're all about as a church and in many ways, that's what our current series, Just Go, is all about as well. So before we jump into our sermon today, I wanted to address the awakened kids. Um, I'm going to give you kids a quick project to tackle. And this project is going to have the same twist that we had last week. So here's what I want you kids to do. I want you to use whatever you have available. If you want to draw a picture, go ahead and draw a picture. Or uh, it'd be awesome if you created a little project using whatever you might have available. Um, whether that's Legos, blocks, um, a box of pasta, you know, anything that you might have, anything that you're around your house. And I want you to create for me a map. I want you to channel your inner Dora. And I want you to create a map. So that map needs to have a beginning. It doesn't matter where that starting point is. It doesn't matter where the ending point is. You get to decide where the starting point is, where the ending point is. I'm just going to say there has to be some places to visit in between. So you choose the starting point, you choose the ending point of your map, but there has to be some places to visit in between. And then just like last week, there's going to be a little twist. You have only 15 minutes to put this together. 
I know you can do it. You did such an amazing job last week. And I know 15 minutes doesn't sound like a lot of time, but it's actually not too bad. So, parents, after your children are done with their project, if you can make sure their name is there, take a picture and send it to awakenqna at gmail.com, and we will be excited to give credit where credit is due. Kids, I want to let you know the reason why we're putting you on the clock is because I want to take your pictures, your maps, your projects, and use them to teach a very important lesson to the church this morning. So I'm sorry for putting you under pressure, but I'd love for you to get that done. And I'd love for the maps you put together to teach a lesson to our church. So again, draw, uh, create a map. You choose the starting point, the end point, but make sure there's places in between to go. So you ready? Good. Go. For the rest of us, I'm excited for our church to be able to be here. Uh, over the course of the past three weeks, our church has spent the time going through this Just Go series, training and equipping our church in evangelism. And again, our original intent was that we would all be back together at this point in time to be able to go through this. We had a number of ideas of, of activities that would come alongside, and, uh, um, but it just didn't end up working out. That being said, our God is good, and whatever he plans, we're going to go along with. Man may plan their way, but the Lord adjusts their steps, right? Adjusts our steps. So um, in week one, we uh, started off by talking about the idea of the hideous gospel. And the, what was behind the hideous gospel is this idea of the reason why many Christians are uncomfortable with the idea of evangelism is because the gospel itself is offensive. When we say the gospel is offensive, what we mean is that the basic message of the gospel is that there is nothing you can do to earn salvation. No matter how good you are, no matter how hard you try, you will never be good enough to earn salvation. Jesus is the only way to God, the only way to heaven. And unless you put your trust and faith in him, you will spend eternity separated from God. Some call that hell, some call it annihilation. Either way, it's not pretty. And evangelism is sharing that message with others. So you can imagine if that's the idea of what sharing the gospel means, there are going to be a lot of us who feel uncomfortable with that. And what we started with in that first week is to say, God has given us a better way. And we're going to show you what that better way looks like over the course of this series. And then in week two, Andrew started off and shared that that better way begins with relationships. That's how Jesus did it, that we're to follow the example of Jesus. And the way Jesus shared with others is he started off by creating margin, creating space in his life for people to be a part. I mean, we're talking about God here, right? If you're if in our society, famous people, rich people, um, they create a barrier around themselves that keeps people away. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus created space for people to come in. And that's what we need to be able to do as well if we're going to be Christians following after the example of Jesus. To find ways to create room in our lives and to invite meaningful relationships with people who are disconnected from God. And then last week I shared with you on the how. 
And the first step in the how is if I have done the hard work of creating margin in my life and I'm taking the time to nurture relationships with people who are disconnected from God and getting to know them, getting to know their hobbies, and we've got a relationship and they seem like they're ready to take a step forward, what do I do next? Right? Then that question is the idea of what we communicated last week is the response is the first step you take is to be present with them. And what is being present? Being present is recognizing those moments in my life and in my relationships when I need to give my fullest attention to accomplish some eternal good. Those moments when I am to give someone or something my fullest attention in order to accomplish some eternal good. The sad thing about this is that we have all become way too proficient in living distracted, half-hearted lives. We're watching TV and we're on our phones at the same time. We're having a conversation and we're thinking about something else at the same time. We have forgotten or never cultivated the skill of giving our fullest attention to something. And it's destroying us. Distraction and inattention has been the cause of breaking up marriages, families, work, and are destroying and undermining our very sense of purpose. All the things that are supposed to be most important to us, and we are losing them because we've not cultivated the skill of being present. And that brings us to this morning. And this morning says, okay, after I understand and am cultivating the skill of being present in these relationships, what next? Sounds like a life problem, doesn't it? What's next? Figuring out what's next. I graduated from high school. What's next? I graduated from college. What's next? I just got a job. What's next? I just finished this project. What's next? My kids have finished their school time, their snack time, their play time, and their nap time, and it's 3 p.m. What's next? Right? That's kind of the situation, and we ask this all the time. This is a challenge. This is an ongoing life problem. What's next? And in relationship to evangelism, the question is the same. I built this relationship with someone who's disconnected from God, and they seem like they're ready to take a next step. What's next? So to answer that question, I want to start off by showing you a chart. It's a chart that uh, I learned uh, when I was going through seminary, way back in my seminary days, and it's called the Engels Scale of Evangelism. And I want to be clear, I'm not showing this to you so that you have to study it or memorize it, though you can always look it up, take a picture of it if you want. Instead, I want you to view this, this uh, Engels Scale kind of like a meme. You know what a meme is, right? A meme is watch it, understand why it's trying to communicate, and then move on. That's what a meme is, right? It's quick, it's watch it, Get the point and move on. So that's what we're going to do with the angle scale this morning. So I want to go ahead and show that to you. And basically it works through a number of stages. It starts at negative 10 and basically you can take a step forward. And ideally in between each stage, you would do something a little bit different to help them get closer to God. That's what the angle scale of evangelism is all about. It was developed by a man named James Engel, surprise, surprise, to describe the journey that someone who has no knowledge at all about God might take, the steps they would have to take in order to become a Christian. 
And so the hope is that this scale would help Christians be able to have a tool that helps them understand how to walk a non-Christian to Christ. So it's an interesting tool. It's sometimes a helpful tool. Here's the point. Here's what I want you to get from this. Every non-Christian is at a different place in the journey. Every non-Christian is at a different place in the journey. Sometimes when we talk about evangelism, when we talk about um, the, the, someone who's not a Christian, uh, that we have this tendency to think that everyone who is disconnected from God is the same. And because they're all the same, they just don't know, they're a sinner that doesn't know Jesus, our solution is we just tell them the truth and then force them to make a decision, accept Jesus or reject him. And that's how we imagine evangelism. And it's wrong, right? It's not helpful. It's not wrong. Maybe that's too, it's too simplistic and it's insulting. Maybe that's a better way to think of it. It puts people in this little box and puts them in the same category and says they're all the same. It doesn't take the time to get to know someone and walk them down the road to salvation. Instead, it applies a one-size-fits-all solution that doesn't fit everyone. They're not all starting at the same point of the journey, and that's okay. The point of this scale is not that we need to apply it to our lives or, to, or, or put it into practice, but, but to recognize that our charge as Christians, when we think about evangelism, is to take the time to recognize where someone who is disconnected from God is, and then when we know where they are, help them to take one step closer to God. That's what evangelism should look like. And after they take that step, we help them take another one, and another one, and another one, until they come to faith. The scale itself, it's kind of meh. It's a bit linear, a bit technical for my taste, but it makes for a great meme, right? Take the idea that it communicates and apply it to how you think about evangelism. Every non-Christian is at a different place in the journey, and effective evangelism means we take the time to be present with them and learn where they are, and then when we understand where they are, we help them take just one step so if they've never read the Bible, as an example, and they don't know anything about God at all, then you certainly don't want to start with talking with them about sin and the Ten Commandments. Instead, how about we just introduce them to the idea of who God is, right? When you think about God, what would you imagine God would be like? And just start a conversation there. If you're in a relationship someone, with someone who hasn't read the Bible or hasn't read the Bible much, but has heard about Jesus and has heard about Bible stories, which describes a lot of people in our culture today, then a great starting point might be just to say, yeah, Jesus, I know, we hear a lot about him, but you know what? I've got a great relationship with Jesus. I love my relationship with Jesus, and here's a little bit of why, right? Here's something that Jesus has taught me that I've learned to apply to my life that really has meaning. If you're in a relationship with someone who's been going through difficult times, who's going through deep trials, right, then take the time, use the opportunity, recognize where they are, and pray for them. Maybe even if they're willing, pray with them. 
that would be a great starting point. Does that make sense? The idea behind this, and we can go on and on, right? Whenever you read the Bible, when you read the New Testament, and you read the stories of the Ethiopian eunuch, you read the story of Saul, later called Paul, when you read the story of Cornelius and Lydia and the Philippian jailer, they all started at different places, and they were walked through to faith. And it took different people in different circumstances to bring them to that point of decision. And for some, the journey was longer, and for some, it was not. Either way, next steps always depend on understanding where you are right now. And when you understand where someone is right now, the next step usually becomes a bit more clear. So earlier I shared with you that our hope as a church is to teach a, uh, a model of evangelism that feels natural, that is not, doesn't seem forced, and that we're following the example of Jesus, because that's the way it was for Jesus. That's the way it is for Jesus. So I wanted to do, uh, instead of teaching you how to walk through next steps and teaching you, I decided that how about I just kind of get out of the way a bit, step out of the spotlight a bit, and let's go in the Bible, let's go in the scriptures and see what Jesus taught when he taught about evangelism. And to see and to learn the lessons that Jesus intended to teach his disciples when he was teaching them what being an evangelist looked like, what it means to be in evangelism. So that's where we're going to be. We're going to be turning, if you've got a Bible, go ahead and turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 9. And we're going to actually spend most of our time in Matthew, chapter 10. But Matthew 9 sets the stage. And as we do that, uh, kids, I want to just kind of give you a heads up. you still got about five minutes or so, so, but you need to start wrapping up. Mom and dad, if you could go ahead and get them ready and take a picture of that picture and send it into awakenqna at gmail.com. Make sure they got their names on it, and we're going to be tackling them uh, and scrolling through them in just a few minutes. For the rest of us, Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 35, it says, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. I want you to see how much is captured in this short passage, right? Jesus is traveling. He's meeting with people. He's getting to know them and sharing the good news about the kingdom. Notice he's not just preaching and moving on. He's spending time with them. He's healing diseases. He's healing illnesses. And the motivation that he has is he's moved by compassion. That is the example that he was setting for his disciples. And then in the following verses, immediately after, you'll have to turn to Matthew chapter 10. Jesus starts off and, and jumps in here where he says, Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. Here are the names of the 12 apostles. I'm not going to go through the names of the 12 apostles. You can look that up. But here's the first point I want to make. The first point in how Jesus trained his leaders, his disciples, his followers in how to be engaged in evangelism. 
he started by giving them authority. He started by giving them authority. This isn't anything your pastors or anyone else can do. This comes directly from the man himself, right? This comes from Jesus directly. He gave them authority first. I don't know if uh, you guys, I'm hoping most of you can relate uh, what it feels like to be in a situation where you're being told to do something or asked to do something and then not given the authority to do it. That's frustrating, isn't it? I can share numerous examples, but for my wife and I, we've always recognized that especially with our kids as we're raising them and training them, anytime we give them responsibility, we give them the authority as well, the power to be able to do it. So if I ask Josiah or Josiah and Talia, hey, I want you, we're going, mom and dad are going out on a date, I want you to be responsible for the other kids. If we gave them the responsibility without giving the authority, which means telling the other kids, you have to listen to Josiah, right? If we just said, hey, Josiah, you're in charge, make sure everybody's good, and kids, you can do whatever you want. Then Josiah is put in a frustrating position, is he not? He can't win. Responsibility and authority always go together. And Jesus, and when they don't, it's a reflection of bad leadership. Jesus gave his apostles authority, his disciples authority, and he has done the same for us. So when we ask, well, yes, he gave these 12 disciples authority, but what about us? Well, that verse that Eddie shared earlier, Matthew 28, the end of the same uh, gospel of Matthew. Matthew 28 says, right, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. You hear that? Jesus says, all authority has been given to him. Therefore, in light of that truth, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus says, look, I've got the authority, and I am with you, always. Every step you take, every breath you take, I am with you. So you have been given the authority, exercise it, making disciples, baptizing them, teaching them to obey. That's the charge. Verses 5 and 6. Jesus sent out the 12 apostles with these instructions. Don't go to the Gentiles or to the Samaritans, but only to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. That's a really interesting passage, isn't it? Because the idea that we have of Jesus is that Jesus came to reach the entire world, to save the world. And yet here, when he's telling his disciples whom to go to, to share the gospel, he says, don't go to the Gentiles, don't go to the Samaritans, go to the people of Israel. What is he saying? He's saying, focus on the people that you know first. Focus on the people that you know first. This is where we started a few weeks ago, right? That, dis, that evangelism begins at home. Evangelism begins with the relationships we have every single day. Somehow we turn that idea upside down. Somehow many of us have turned this idea of evangelism and missions into something that we do out there. We go to another country. That sharing the gospel, missionary work is something that's done out there. And it's not that we don't believe in that. My wife and I, we support missionaries out there. Our church supports missionaries and mission works out there. I love and am grateful for those whom God has called to be on mission out there. But the priority, Jesus emphasizes, is with the people you see every single day. That's where evangelism begins. And it's not just here. In Acts chapter 2, Jesus says the same thing. His final words, in fact, right? 
that you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then to the other most parts of the world. It's like these outgoing circles. It's how evangelism works. With lost and disconnected people, we know and see every day. Verse 7, go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. So Jesus told them, hey, I'm giving you authority, and here's what that authority is to do. Go and share the gospel. Focus start first on people that you know, and then when you're proclaiming the gospel, do it clearly. You know, I don't know if I ever shared this story before, but um, uh, back in the day, back uh, when I was in college, I was actually on the radio. Um, I had a friend of mine, a really good friend of mine, her name was Gretchen. Uh, the two of us were officers of our student group, Gator Christian Life, and we had this crazy decision. I was the president. We had this crazy decision that we were going to create a commercial for Gator Christian Life, which is the, the student group, and we were going to go to the Christian radio station and put together a 30-second plug, and that's what we did. And so over the next couple of weeks, uh, Gretchen and I were kind of writing up our script and running it over and over and over again because we had to keep it to 30 seconds. And so we got to the radio station, and we were taken into the booth, and the producer is sitting down with Gretchen and I, and he's like, look, I'll be honest with you, I'm going to give you guys a couple of takes, because for most, of, most commercials and most of you, it takes a couple of takes, but here's what I want you to do first. Focus on speaking slowly and being clear with the message. And I won't, I, I, I've always remembered that, that if you have something important to say, take your time and communicate it clearly. That's really important, right? And that is what the gospel, uh, the good news, what Jesus is encouraging us to do and commanding us to do is as we imagine what evangelism looks like, be clear. The gospel is designed to be shared. It's even designed to be shared verbally. You can live a great life. You can be a wonderful example. As a child of God, you really should live a great life and be a great example and follow whatever Jesus tells you to do. But that alone does not absolve you of the responsibility to also announce and proclaim the gospel. Now, feel free to choose the right moment. Feel free to do it the right way, but speak and make the announcement clear. That is the charge you've been given by Jesus. I want to take a quick intermission right now, and I want to take a look at the maps that our Awakened Kids have put together today. And here's what I want you to do for those of you who are here, part of the Pioneer Service. I want to include all of you streaming as well, but I can't hear or see you right now, so you'll just kind of have to virtually uh, jump in with us. Uh, as we show these maps, what I want you guys to do is take a look at these maps and determine which maps are clear and which maps might keep us lost, right? To be able to discern the difference, to be able to distinguish the difference between a clear map and a map that might keep us wandering for just a little while longer. Does that make sense? Awesome. So kids, oh my goodness, Helena. Oh, I love that. I love go and stop. That's clear starting point and clear ending. Fireworks. Uh, a chicken, and walking the dog. That's amazing. That is a great map. That's very clear. Where, is that 
Clear or lost? Clear, right? Yeah, we know exactly where to go, and we know the different stops we can take along the way. Great job, Helena. Christopher, you have made a fun map. You know what? It's swirly, but there's only one direction you can go. There's some cool stops along the way. That is awesome. Is that clear or lost? It's, it's clear, right? There might be a few stops along the way that were like, what is that stop all about? But otherwise, the map is clear. You know how to get from beginning to end. Clara, oh, that's a great job, young lady. That looks great. I love the little hut, the little houses along the way, the little temple and the people gathering. That's also an example of another clear, right? Clear path to take. A pirate treasure map. Susie? That is amazing. That is quite the treasure there. And like any good treasure map, it's really hard to read. And you can't figure out where you're supposed to go. So if you're trying to find this treasure, it's going to be a bit confusing. You might get a bit lost. But Susie, I appreciate that you know that's the point. So thank you very much for that. Gray, oh my goodness, a mountain, Michael's Zoo, our house, Toby's house, a rock. That's nice. Visit a rock along the way. Great, I like that. I appreciate it. Uh, so it looks like you're starting with your house and moving on to the zoo. That's very cool. That's a clear map. Thank you. Caleb, oh my gosh, I love the colors. That looks so great. And you've got a clock, so you're putting a time on it. Uh, you have a certain amount of time to go and travel over train tracks and over the water. Is that one clear or lost? Uh, I heard a bit of both. Ah, that's the non-committal tone right there. That is pretty cool, Caleb. I like it. I think I like the starting point, the clear ending point. The path along the way looks challenging and like an adventure. Thank you for that, Caleb. And then Junie. Oh, that's a great one. X marks the start or no, X marks the end. And that's because your pastor can't read. And Junie. You have where the start is. That is, I love the stops along the way. That's clear or a bit lost? Clear as day, right? Good job. Oh my goodness. Trip Kirk. So this is like a choose your own adventure. You start in the middle and you go to the robot factory, the space station, Jay's house, um, or someone else's house. Very cool. I like that very much, Trip Kirk. You know what? Your brain works a little bit more complexly than the rest of us do. That's not a word, but I used it anyway. So it might not be the clearest, but it certainly got some good destinations and stopping points. Thank you for that, Trip. And then Wyatt, map of my house, Tommy's places on my birthday, to my places on my birthday. Oh, the kayak place, the zoo, Legoland a pool and the lazy river. Um, Wyatt, I'd like to join you on this trip, buddy. And that's a good one. That's clear or lost? It's clear, right? Good job. And then, oh, there's a house. Warren, yeah. I'm sorry. I thought that said woman up there, but Warren is good. Um, and zoo. So that's okay. It could be women. They're just tall and green. That's, that's okay. And that, Warren, that's a great picture of a trip to the zoo. Um, is that clear or a bit lost? A little lost, but you know what? We know where the starting point is and where the ending point is, so kudos there. And then, ah, uh, Seth, 
Really? <laughs> Seth, if you had, that is amazing. I, I don't know how you drew the line so straight, but that is a great job and a great map to Grandpa's house. We may have to save that one because we may want to also uh, go to Grandpa's house. That is fantastic, and I like the Starbucks stop along the way. Aren't you a little young for coffee? Maybe not. Okay. Uh, Nathan, Dana, you raised him well. So is that clear or lost? Clear. That's really clear, right? Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you, kids, so much. That was really amazing, right? And what I love about your pictures, what I love about your maps is that it they are different people. You can be at different places along the way, right? You could be at the starting point. You could be at one of the way stations along the way, or you could be at the end. All of us can be at different places in the map, but as long as we're headed in the right direction and there's clarity, God can use that, right? And I think that's how evangelism looks as well. That not everyone is at the same starting point. We might be hanging out at Starbucks instead. That may be the starting point of one. The other person might be at the zoo. The other one might be hanging out at the pool. Wherever they might be. And our job is to recognize where they are and then help them take a step closer to the destination. Awesome. So let's go ahead and continue in the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 10, uh, back to 10, starting in verse 8. Heal the sick, raise the dead. Cure those with leprosy. Cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. Don't take any money in your money belts. No gold, silver, or even copper coins. Don't carry a traveler's bag with a change of clothes and sandals or even a walking stick. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve to be fed. So Jesus has been giving instruction all along the way. He's given them authority. He's told them to focus on people you know first. He's told them to, when you speak, speak clearly. And now he's saying, you know, alongside clear gospel, gospel proclamation, love and care come alongside. So love and care march alongside proclamation. When Jesus gave his disciples authority, what did he give them authority to do? He gave them authority to do two things, right? To proclaim the message, the gospel of God, and to give care to people. The authority was given to do both. Why is that important? The reason why that is important is because Jesus implied from the very beginning, by his example and his instruction, that evangelism was never simply about one or the other. Some make evangelism all about proclamation, but proclamation without the authenticity and the reliability of its messenger is empty. By the same token, there are others who believe in quote-unquote lifestyle evangelism, that my life and living a good life and obeying Jesus, that's enough of a gospel sharing, and we don't actually have to open our mouths. And Jesus would say, no, that's not true either. The two run side by side. Evangelism is not simply to be proclaimed, but to be lived. Because, and why is that true? Because people who will believe won't simply believe based on words or life, but the two coming together. Care for people and love them. 
Brothers and sisters, we have an opportunity, right, in this time to use our power, to use the wealth we've been given, the privilege we have, and the opportunities we have to show grace, to be a blessing and joy to others. And I get so frustrated because this world for way too long now has taught that power, wealth, and privilege are to be used to enrich yourself and people like you. And we're tired of that, aren't we? If there's anything that the past few weeks and months and much, much longer, if we're to be perfectly honest, has taught us is that the, the world is wrong, right? The things our country is going through is telling us that the, that idea the world has taught us over time is that power, wealth, privilege is simply to enrich us and to enrich people like us. It's wrong and it needs to be rejected. And particularly by God's people, we should know better. But the response hasn't been much better. Anarchy, violence, anger, resisting authority, that's not any better. It's just different rules being applied to the same old game. And as God's people, we can't fall into that trap either. We know better. God tells us, right, being an evangelist, being part, being out in evangelism, recognizes that the authority given to us by Christ, the power the privilege we have as children of God, these are not simply to be exercised for our own benefit, but for the benefit of others. That we are to be a blessing to others. That crazily enough, if you read the Bible, it actually says that, right? To do nothing, right? Uh, to, uh, oh gosh, make others more important than yourselves. I'm messing up that verse. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but with humility of mind, consider others as more important than yourselves. This is what Jesus teaches. This is what God teaches. And this is how we are to exercise the authority and privilege and blessings that we have. And, and I want you to see this too, right? When we talk about this idea of love and care, march alongside proclamation. Sharing the gospel. What evangelism is, is it's an invitation to be a part of this beautiful kingdom that God is establishing. A place where there is justice, a place where love rules, a place where there is joy and care and blessing. This is what the invitation looks like, right? It's an invitation into a new way of living. It's the invitation into a kingdom where God is king. Under the authority of Christ, where peace, love, and justice rules. Where injustice, intolerance, and narrow-mindedness have no place and where God's people will love others as much as, if not more, than ourselves. That's what evangelism is. It's this invitation to say, it's happening. It's, as a matter of fact, it's here now, in part, and someday fully. And the gospel is the invitation to join the party. The gospel is the invitation to become a citizen of the only kingdom that really matters. The only kingdom worth belonging to. Matthew chapter 10, verse 11. Whenever you enter a city or village, search for a worthy person and stay in his home until you leave town. The next lesson, the next step is to prioritize the receptive. To prioritize those who are most willing to receive. You know, uh, I love how Jesus makes this a point of emphasis with his disciples. He's like, look, 
He uses the word worthy. We won't say that because that has other implications for us today. But what Jesus is saying is, go out, share, and whoever opens up their home and opens up their lives, spend extra time there. That's the idea that's being communicated here. And for us, we take that and say, those who are most open to Christ and God's message, we should spend a little bit of extra time with. I want to help you with that. How do I recognize then someone who's more open, someone who's more receptive? And I'll share with you that the way easiest for us to be able to recognize is to recognize two different times when people are most receptive to the gospel. In times of difficulty and during times of transition. Times of difficulty and times of transition. So in times of difficulty is when people are facing hardship, they tend to be more open to God. People, when they're facing hardship, are more open to asking for understanding and reaching out to anyone who can offer comfort and hope. And they're usually afraid. These are opportunities where we say, guys, uh, the gospel rings true in these moments. And they'll say things like, things aren't going very well for me right now. I'm having a hard time keeping my head above water. That's how you recognize. And in times like those, don't offer platitudes. That's what the world does. Platitudes is like, oh, things are going bad. Everything's going to be okay. Trust me. Right? You know what? God is working everything out for your good. Or, you know what? Someday you're going to look back on this and you're going to be thankful that this happens. Don't do that. Those are platitudes. They're empty and they're not appropriate for the moment. Instead, pray for them. If they open up the opportunity, pray with them. And if you want to share a verse with them, you can even use this as a transition, right? I put it up here as, as a help, not to quote verbatim. But in those times when I felt overwhelmed by my life, the Bible has been an encouragement for me. Would you be okay if I shared a verse that has been meaningful for me and might help you? And if they say yes, fantastic. I put some verses up there that might help. You've probably got many of your own. Times of difficulty and times of transition is the other one. Times of transition are a bit different. It's not necessarily sad or fearful, but um, most, for most of us, in times of transition, we find it exciting. We find it to be challenges. And actually, we do find there's a bit of fear involved as well. But one thing that times of transition have in common is we're open to new experiences. And that's why times of transition are a really good time to help people take a step forward and closer to God as well. It's a good time to invite someone to come to church. It's a good time to be able to say, I'm excited for you, right? I know during these times, they can be exciting and scary. Can I read you or share with you a passage from the Bible that's encouraged me in those times as well? And God's got some cool things to share during those times too. Jeremiah 29, Isaiah 43. When people are comfortable it's sometimes harder for, it's oftentimes harder for the gospel to take root because we're comfortable. I'm okay. I'm good with how things are right now. So you can keep your Jesus stuff to yourself. But during times of comfort, it's a good time to build relationship. It's a good time to build trust so that when those times of difficulty and those times of transition come, we can help them take a step. Finally, verses 12 to 15. When you enter the home, give it your blessing. If it turns out to be a worthy home, let your blessing stand. If it is not, take back the blessing. If any household or town refuses to welcome you or listen to your message, shake its dust from your feet as you leave. I tell you the truth, the wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah will be better off than such a town on the judgment day. So Jesus has been going through this lesson. 
He's been teaching his disciples what it means to be in the gospel, what it means to be living a life of evangelism. And he closes with this idea. Let God take care of the results. Let God take care of the results. It's a bit counterintuitive for us, isn't it? We tend to want to control the, response, the results. And God says, I'm going to take care of it. He actually, Jesus actually shares much more if you read throughout the rest of chapter 10. It's, but it's the same idea, right? You be faithful and let God take care of the rest. I know for me, one of my biggest uh, challenges to being involved in evangelism is I don't like dealing with rejection. Uh, I don't like being rejected. I have a, I'm real sensitive to other people's emotions and where they are, and I can oftentimes read rejection into their expressions. Sometimes not, when it's not even there, but I just read into it because I'm just a bit overly sensitive. And I don't like it. I don't like that feeling. So I appreciate here that one of the things Jesus says is, he's like, look, my taking care of the results means that you have to concede that rejection is going to happen. It's going to happen to anyone who wants to be out and is, is faithful and obedient and being involved in evangelism. But I'm going to tell you now, persevere. And don't take it personally because they are not rejecting you, but me. Shake it off. Move on. When I say move on, that doesn't necessarily mean move on from the relationship. God may still have you in that relationship. But take comfort in knowing that it's not you, it's me. Or it's not me, but it's you. Not you, it's God. Right? I appreciate you guys walking through this journey together. I know it's been a bit longer today, so I'm going to wrap us up. Next week, uh, Stephen Freeman is actually going to be closing out our series. And I'm really excited to have my brother come in and share and to close us out. I don't know if we're still going to be in pioneer mode and open mode or back streaming. We're going to make that decision tonight. But either way, I want to really encourage you guys to tune in. And what Stephen will be sharing on or teaching on is how to effectively share your story, how to share your testimony. And I'll tell you that that is the best tool that we can have in being able to articulate and present the gospel is to be able to share our story, to share our testimony. So one final verse, if I may, as we close out from the book of Colossians, that I hope you keep with you and write down and review. Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Read that again. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you have the right response for everyone. I pray that verse challenges you and encourages you. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this time, for this moment, for the opportunity to talk about evangelism and to talk about this idea of weaving it into our everyday lives. And uh, Lord, to make it a natural part of living in a, I can't help but imagine this is how you intended it from the very beginning. I thank you for the beauty of the gospel. I thank you that the, the story of Jesus stepping into time and flesh living on earth and teaching us and then sacrificing himself on the cross, being buried in the ground and three days later rising from the dead. 
Lord, that, that story of salvation is the hope that we have. And putting our trust and our faith in Jesus who accomplished that work is the reason why we are called children of God and why we have life at all. Lord, I pray that you give us the courage and the boldness and the perspective change that we need to understand that evangelism is nothing more than sharing that story with others to be able to help recognize where people are in their faith, in their place of being disconnected from you, and just help them take one step closer to that truth and that invitation. And Lord, I pray that wherever we might be, whatever context we have, whether that's at work, at home, in our neighborhood, at the store, wherever it is that we might be, our eyes and our ears and our hearts would be attuned to the opportunities you would give us to help people take one step closer to you. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your goodness and grace. We acknowledge that the time is short, and yet your return fills us with joy. We pray that it would be soon. In Jesus' name, amen.